Here we are back at it. Welcome to Courtside Culture, a show that brings you from the cheap seats to the courtside. Each show, we deliver the most insightful, Christ-centered conversation to keep you winning. And now, here's your host, Bishop Jamar Suber. You often hear me talk about how shows have been 10 years in the making, 20 years in the making. But who I have with me today has been 30 years in the making. This is a childhood friend. You can catch him on CNN, CBS, Fox Business, Tom Joyner, Black Enterprise. He's worked with multiple platinum-selling recording artists, a ton of athletes. Come on now, this brother has signed over a half a billion dollars in NFL contracts. Author of Secure the Bag, Chief Insight Officer, Personal Finance Expert, my friend, but most of all, the first lead vocalist and my first ever rap group that I was a part of in high school. Over all the things that he's done, that was the very first. My friend, my colleague, Rob Wilson. Rob, welcome to Courtside Culture. Hey, man. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me here. I didn't know you were going to break out the hip-hop group reference, but um, <laughs> but I do have very, very fond memories of that in high school, man. Yeah. So uh, it's great to be here with you. Yeah, man. You you know, this, this uh, time with you, you know, man, it, it's something how God brings, crosses paths, you know? Our paths crossed when we were kids, growing up in an environment that we weren't supposed to make it out of. You know, you and I aren't supposed to be on this this video, this Zoom, or or here on this radio station. You know, made some choices, made some decisions that could have gotten us killed multiple times. You know, you right in the heart of the Hill District. Myself right in the heart of Hazelwood in the Hill District. We weren't supposed to meet here. You know, we weren't supposed to meet at this place again. But God. But God had another plan, had another plan. Rob, you've achieved some amazing things, but this is the first thing I want people to understand. What's the different, what difference, what choices did you make from where you were when we were kids to be able to sit where you are today? Let's, let's start with that point. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a great question because you know, as well as I do, a lot of the people that we grew up with, were friends with, yeah. hung out with play basketball with are either no longer with us anymore or they went to jail or, you know, in a number of other, you know, not so great situations. And so for me, what I think was most important is that, and this isn't any of my doing, but I did feel, I got this feeling that people had expectations of me. Um, I, I felt that from, you know, my teachers, I, I definitely felt that, you know, from my parents I felt like they had expectations of me. And so what, what that built in me was that, you know, my worst fear started to become not having lived up to my potential. Yeah. And, you know, listen, when you're, when you're 15, 16, 17, 18, you're still trying to figure all of that out. Um, but, but even then I knew that people expected that I was going to make something of myself yeah. and I didn't want to let them down. That doesn't mean I didn't make any mistakes along the way, but it is something that was, was sort of an anchor there that was always in the back of my mind that I think, you know, again, by the grace of God, you know, helped me escape that situation. There, there are probably two or three decisions that I could name very specifically in my life yeah. that if those things had gone differently, mm -hmm. um, my life would be absolutely turned upside down. So, yeah. 
Um, I was I was blessed. I was favored. I was lucky. All of those sorts of things. And mm-hmm. um, but I also worked hard yeah. and, uh, and and found a way out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, <clears throat> just just personally, brother to brother, friend to friend, you know, I commend you on being a trailblazer, you know, from Pittsburgh to Philly, from Philly to around the world, from Philly to L.A. and to Florida, New York. You know, I commend you on ble- being a trailblazer. You know, it, it's it's very important that we highlight and, and we have these discussions with people like yourself because young people need to hear it, you know. Parents need to hear it. I can I can still hear your grandmother and your mother calling you, but Bobby... You know, I can still hear him like it was just yesterday. Um, and, and it's very important. This, this, this interview today is very near and dear to my heart. What do you, I, I know you have a heart for young people, you know, and showing them images that, that, that's greater than entertainment and sports and, you know, and, and showing them ways that they can make it beyond, you know, some of these, these clients that you work with. What are some of the ways that, uh, kids today, kids today, what are some of the decisions and some of the ways they can go to really break through uh, what these what urban life brings? Well, you know what? Here's the amazing thing about the time that we're in right now. Listen, if if we if someone would have told us when we were down in my basement making beats on a tape machine. Yeah. Right. If, if someone yeah. would have told us then. Yeah. That in, in in 20 or 30 years, you would be able to have your own radio show. You wouldn't yeah. have to get discovered. Yeah. You wouldn't have to do any of that. All you need to do is take this device out of your pocket, hit record, yeah. and upload your show to iTunes for free. Yeah. We yeah. wouldn't have believed them. If someone would have told us, you don't have to get discovered if you want to have a TV show. All you have to do is take this device out of your pocket, hit record, and upload your own video to YouTube where anyone on the literal planet with an internet connection can see that Mm -hmm. we wouldn't have believed them. And so the day and era that we live in now, the, the middleman has largely been taken out of it. You know, they, they can't keep you from these opportunities by, by large part. I mean, we didn't necessarily have access to these same tools when we were younger and we were growing up. Um, So I, I think that the doors have been opened tremendously where you know, kids can really direct themselves in, in, in the path that they want to go to without anyone getting in the way. That does not mean that there are challenges. That does not mean that, you know, your environment that you grow up in, you know, has to be one that fosters creativity and the willingness to take risk and all of those sorts of things. That That is always going to be important. But I do feel like that kids have a, a greater ability now mm-hmm. to, to chart their own course where, listen, when we grew up, it was go to school, do your homework, get good grades, go to college, get a good job. And then that's how you make it. And what we've seen is that that equation doesn't always work, particularly for people who look like us. But I know right now, right now, today, there's an eight year old kid who makes $40 million a year on YouTube reviewing toys. Um, And so the opportunities right now, I think, are are boundless. Technology has absolutely leveled the playing field. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's never been a better time in the history of this planet to take control of your life, to take control of your finances and really, really chart the course that you desire. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, and I think that's a perfect segue to this next topic that I had been thinking about the past couple of weeks. You you know, we grew up in an era where 
uh, kids went from high school athlete to college superstar and, you know, maybe made their way into the league. How do you think with the new changes in the NCAA program, you know, where these kids can start to receive sponsorships and things like that, how do you think that's going to change the landscape of, of, uh, of athletics today? Well, the first thing I'll say is that I think it's amazing and I think it's long overdue that now college athletes can monetize their name, image, and likeness. These athletes have been absolutely exploited for years, uh, putting all of their blood, sweat, and tears out on the field or the court and not really receiving any monetary benefits for this while the coach who stands right next to them on the field or court can make $5 million a year, can have endorsements, can have a big house and a nice car and really take care of his family, his or her family, um, the athletes, by and large, who come from neighborhoods where they didn't come from much, haven't really been able to benefit from that. And and the kids who didn't go pro never were really able to monetize all of those years that they spent perfecting their craft in their sport. So I think that this is amazing and long overdue. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I'm not sure that it's going to change the landscape of sports all that much, because if you think about it, it there's already big schools that attracted all of the the big athletes there's big conferences these are the places where uh people wanted to go to school uh just because of the notoriety uh their ability to be on tv play in front of a hundred thousand people I, I don't think that that's going to change because what happens is all of the big boosters who were already giving a lot of money to the school now maybe some of that will trickle into directly into the hands of the athletes but i think you're still going to see the power conferences be the power conferences the big schools yeah. be the big schools um but now I just think it's a it, these kids will be in a much better situation. They won't be going to bed hungry. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll be able to send some money back to their families. And I think overall, it'll be a better situation. However, however, these universities are going to have to teach their kids about money because this is something that they probably weren't educated about at home. I know I didn't grow up talking about this at the dinner table. Yeah. And so now with this influx of cash, uh, they're going to have to teach them or someone is going to have to teach them how to be responsible with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, one, one quick, one more question in that, that area. So with the professional athletes that you, that you work with have worked with over the years, if this college uh, junior or senior coming out, if they have the opportunity to make millions of dollars, do you think there's a difference in the thought process when it comes to should I go to the league if I've already made a ton of money versus I'm going to go to the league and make more or I'm going to save my body and just work this little sponsorship thing here and go on home and sit down. Do you think there's a different, will be a difference in the mind frame? I do think, I think that you'll see athletes not, you know, feeling as anxious about have to, having to get into the draft because a lot that, that decision has been for people who have the opportunity to go pro. Do I want to stay in school and struggle and watch my, my mother struggle and not be able to pay the bills and maybe get foreclosed on our home or apartment or do I want to go and get paid, regardless if that's the best thing for my career in the long term? Maybe I need another year to develop, mm -hmm. get bigger, get stronger, have some more film, I'll get drafted better. A lot of times the decision is a financial one. So, yeah, I, I think that this is going to be um, put these athletes in a much better decision where they can make 
um, the right choice with regard to their career and their longevity and not just the need to put some money in their bank account tomorrow. Okay. All right. And hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Courtside Culture with Jamar Suber with my special guest, Rob Wilson. Rob, one thing that you mentioned that's important is money management. Now, we know that trickles down from the billionaire all the way down to the everyday Joe. Talk to us about some of the things that's necessary when you're thinking about money management that transfers from having a little to a ton. Yeah, I think regardless of the amount that that you're dealing with, what, what I've noticed over my career is that most people have relatively the same issues with money. Some people just, their their problems come with a few extra zeros. But the, the absolute fundamental thing that goes across no matter how much money you're working with is you have to have some sort of end goal in mind or else you have no guiding principle with which to, how to manage your money or how to determine what you should be getting up every day and doing. You know, a lot of people that I talk to, I go, well, how much, what do you feel like you need for retirement? And the average person does not know because they've never actually thought about it and, and put it in a number and a time frame. Meaning what I'm, the answer that I'm looking for is, Hey, I want to have, I don't know, $5 million liquid by the time I'm 65. Okay. Fantastic. That's a specific goal that you can work towards. And if you're very honest on the other side about where you stand today, then so you can be really intentional about reverse engineering what you need to do between now and then in order to make sure you get there. But if you have no goal, what happens is you just start going through life, just going through the motions, um, sort of like a zombie. I call them the walking broke, right? You're just you're just going along day to day, taking what life gives you, you, and you think that just it will automatically just work out some way. It's not going to do that. But if you set some very specific goals, um, you can figure out down to the minute what do you need to do the minute after you wake up in order to make sure that you hit that goal. So no matter how much you're dealing with, most important thing in my book is to set goals and and, and be intentional about it. And what I say in my book. As if you're not intentionally trying to get wealthy, you'll likely end up accidentally poor. Yeah, yeah. You know, you didn't mean for that to happen, but you also didn't intentionally do the actions that were going to make sure that the opposite happened. And, and, and for folks who may not think that that's, well, Rob, is that really true? Well, you can substitute some of the words there. OK, so if you're not intentionally trying to be healthy, you'll likely end up accidentally sick. Mm-hmm. You didn't mean to contract that condition, but you also didn't sleep, eat healthy, uh, cook healthy food, go to the doctor, get your blood work done. You didn't do the things that were necessary to make sure that you stayed healthy. And if you're not intentionally trying to have a great relationship or marriage, you'll likely end up accidentally single or divorced. You didn't mean for that to happen, but you also didn't take care of of your relationship, spend time, you know, get to know his or her family, all of those things that you need to do to cultivate a relationship. And so same thing with your money. If you're not intentional about it, it's going to be difficult for you to build the wealth that you deserve. Yeah. Rob, in your book, Secure the Bag, when you make that statement, if you're not intentional, um, a lot of times it is tough to set a money goal when we retire because we have no clue how to set that goal. If I'm riding a bus, I know my goal is a car because I'm I'm walking. 
So how do we set a retirement goal? How, how do we come to that number uh, in our mind to be able to communicate it to financial experts like yourself? A very, very easy way to do that is to think about what you make on an annual basis. Um, so that because that's money coming in that you use to pay the bills and 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 maintain a comfortable lifestyle. And if you multiply that by, let's say, 20 that, you know, maybe 20 years that you're in retirement, if you retire at 65, then, you know, if you make fifty thousand dollars a year, then you probably need at minimum, let's say, a million dollars for those 20 years to to ensure that you won't run out of money and and keep a healthy lifestyle. So that's a really easy rule of thumb is to take what you're making Mm -hmm. or what you think you will be making at retirement age and multiply it by 20. And and that'll give you a good number that I think you you might want to have in the bank on the day that you retire in order to be comfortable that you won't outlive your money. Okay. Rob, that's good. I've never heard it put, put that simple. <laughs> you know, we, we have you coming on to our five-day goal-setting challenge that's going to be coming up here soon. I want to make sure that we dive into that deeper, you know, and give a very, very good systematic approach to that particular end of goal-setting. Because I'm going to tell you, it, it's something that's fleeting, you know, and in, in our communities, we don't we don't receive this type of information, you know, a lot of us die broke. We got to scrounge up money to pay for funerals and all of that good stuff. You know, talk to me a little bit about some of the work that you've done with schools or, or, or young people to start to teach money management. Yeah. So I sat on the board of a charter school in Pittsburgh for, you know, six or seven years. And and, and that was a really fantastic way for me to, to give back, but also to have some influence uh, in things that were going on in the classroom and, and directly in the school. And one of the programs that I developed when I was there is I, I created this program called the Best Kept Secret, because what I would notice when schools or groups would ask me to come and speak, um, kids would get fixated on the fact that I work with athletes and entertainers. Oh, my goodness. Who do you work with? What, what kind of car do they drive? How big is their house? Mm-hmm. You know, all of these sorts of things. And the thing that struck me is being a financial advisor, I also came into contact with a lot of people who had nothing to do with a ball, a mic, a stage, a field, a court, and none of that. And they were extremely successful. And so I wanted to create a way that to, to show these kids that if for some reason you can't be a professional athlete or an entertainer, and let's be honest, it's a very small percentage of people who are going to be able to play at the level where they're going to make millions of dollars. There are still, there are still so many options for you to be successful. The problem is, is that like, look, when we grew up, a lot of us, the babysitter was BET, MTV, <laughs> VH1, you know, all yeah. of that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and, and what you're taught is, listen, if you live in the hood, your way out is becoming an athlete or entertainer. If you don't do that, you know, God help you. Um, But I wanted to show them, I've met these people, I've seen them in the flesh, and there's another way for you to get out. And so what I did was I got a group of the students, I put them on a bus for a day, and we went around to a bunch of different locations in the city. Uh, They met doctors, they met lawyers, they met entrepreneurs, so that they could see these people in the flesh, in their environment, and hear from them about how they created their career. And, and you should have seen the look on these kids' faces because, the, and the reaction that I wanted was, wait, if this person can do that, then, then I can do that as well. And if, you, and if you at least give them that feeling, 
they'll they'll figure out from there the steps that they need to take. But if you don't expose them to the possibility, then they'll never know what they can truly be. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, another thing I wanted to point out, if I recall, you were going the engineering route uh, with your career, uh, and then it flipped to entrepreneurship, you know, uh, it, it was no longer, well, even prior prior to that, it was no longer, hey, I want to be a rapper, you know, like some of these other kids uh, think about. Talk a little bit about your transition from high school through college, you know, my rap dreams are gone, engineer route to entrepreneurship. So it's funny because I always had this entrepreneurial gene, I guess, Um so while we were in high school, I don't know if you remember this, but a couple of summers, I, I had a little store that I was operating out of my house. Yeah. So, you know, I lived in between, you know, the school and the neighborhood pool. And so people had to walk past my house. So I used to sell yeah. popcorn and pizza and pretzels and, you know, all of these sorts of things because I wanted to have my own money so that I could mm-hmm. do some of the things that I wanted. I remember one of the reasons why I started that is because I wanted to go get the new uh, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince uh, album that that had come out. And I said, well, I'm going to start this store. I'm going to have some money. Yeah. So, you know, take me down to Oakland so I can go get this record. And I did. And so I always had this, this desire to want to create my own things. Um, but also, again, because of the influence of my family and my teachers and counselors and things, um, I they, they instilled in me or they showed me that one of the paths was to get into a technical profession that was one of the highest professions that you can get into after college was engineering. And so I I decided to do that because I wanted to set my life on a different course than, you know, I had been set up for, you know, I was the first generation in my family to go to college. And so, you know, I kind of wanted to make sure that I was setting myself on a good financial footing. Now, don't don't get it wrong. Hip hop has always been a big part of my life. And so even when I was in college, um, I was a host on a local hip hop TV show called Underground Hip Hop Video Magazine, where I had a chance to interview um, Eminem and Fife and Exhibit and uh, R&B star Jesse Powell and all of these influential people. Um, That was a fantastic uh, experience for me. I had a radio show all throughout college, Friday evenings, five to seven. Uh, where I would play hip hop. And I also DJed a lot through college, which again, put some money in my pocket, but helped me stay connected to the culture and also be creative. I was in a very technical field in school, but I also wanted to maintain that creative uh, ability. And a lot of that, a lot of those experiences really have shaped who I am today. I don't think that I would have maybe done as well being on TV as a financial advisor, had I not been on underground hip hop when I was there, or had I not been a DJ and really understood how to be in front of people. So um, hip hop has always guided my career and has built my my skill level. Um, but I definitely always wanted to be an entrepreneur and make money. So I went to engineering after school and I worked at Deloitte, which is one of the largest consulting firms in the world. But what I realized there was a couple of things. One, I didn't want to just be pigeonholed as the techie guy because the people who were really successful in the firm, who were the partners, they weren't just the techie people. They had business knowledge. And so um, I decided that I wanted to go back to business school for, for that reason. But also, I kind of got tired of the feeling that you know, I had to wait for somebody else to promote me 
or when, when they were ready for me to be promoted or when they felt like it was time for me to make more money or have more responsibility. I wanted to be in a situation where I was in control. If I wanted to make more money than, or, or, or have more experience and I needed to go out and find more clients. And so that's why in business school, I sort of changed careers and uh, ended up becoming a financial advisor. Okay. Okay, man, that's phenomenal. What, what, um, Rob, what's, what's next year looking like for you? You know, you've done some phenomenal things. What's coming up. What's, what's it looking like for 2022? Yeah, I think what we're really looking to do next year is, is scale, um, you know, our business. So, you know, believe it or not, um, and I didn't think this when it was starting out, but 2020 ended up being one of my best years wow. uh, in, in my career as a financial advisor, both from a performance perspective and, and what I was able to achieve for my clients in terms of their portfolios, but just the business growing and, you know, new clients coming into the business, um, which which is a blessing, but also creates some challenges because the, the structure that got you to a certain point isn't necessarily the structure that's going to help you get bigger and take you to the next level. And so, what, you know, what we're looking to do is, is expand. Uh, I'm going to hire some more people so that, you know, we have a greater capacity to serve uh, out there. And then I'm going to be launching more more products um, because there are only there's a finite amount of people that I can work with individually. Mm -hmm. But I do think that I have a wealth of knowledge that many, many people can benefit from. And so, you know, I want to um, put some more products out there, courses that people can take to start to learn how to do all of these things. There is going to be another book um, in the midst. And, uh, you know, we're really excited about what's what's upcoming next year. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So at this point in your career with scaling, with the things that you've done, talk to us about what's most important right about now. You know, as you look 10, 20 summers away, what's most important? Yeah, I think where, where I'm starting to look at now is really how do I how do I leave my mark here? How do I leave a legacy? How do I make sure that I've impacted as, as many people as possible. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, I had a situation or had to deal with uh, the passing of my father yeah. uh, earlier this year. And, you know, that's, that's something that's, that's pretty sobering. And, you know, my mother passed away um, a number of years ago. And so, you know, now it's, it, it is a little bit odd feeling being without both of your parents, you know, and living life without both of your parents. And so, that does kind of focus you a little bit in terms of, okay, I'm not invincible. Um, yeah. Eventually this is going to, you know, I'm going to be laying there one day. And so how do I make sure that I've lived life like they expected me to like the expectations that they had for me and fulfilled all of those dreams and responsibilities? How do I make sure that I, that I leave it all out on the field? And so that's really where a lot of my focus is. Um, let, let's let's be honest though. When you're first starting out, and and you're you're struggling and you're clawing and you're trying to get out of your situation, you're trying to take it to the next level. That has to be your focus. What I tell people a lot of times when I go speak is when you're on a plane, and they say the the stewardess says if the mask drops down, the pressure drops, uh, you have to put your mask on first 
before you can help everybody else around you. Um, and that, and that's difficult to do because I think a lot of us are, are heart centered and we kind of want to do it all at the same time. But you have to make sure that your own house is in order because you cannot help everyone that you want to help or that you can possibly help until you feel solidified in your own life and that your family is taken care of. But once you can, once you do that, then you can start to set your sights on how you can be a blessing to other people. And so I, I feel like I'm at the point in my career where I'm, 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 I'm stable. I'm good. You know, I've achieved a lot. I've got a great family. I, you know, I married a beautiful wife five years ago. Uh, we just got a dog a few months ago. So I feel like I'm okay there. <laughs> Now it's about how can I leave it all out there yeah. and, and make sure that I do what's expected of me. Yeah. Rob, as we wrap up our show, tell the viewers and listeners, where can they find you and where can they buy this book? Indeed. So my book, Secure the Bag, is on Amazon or at my website, securethebag.me. Um, and if you want to reach out to me personally, ask me any questions, uh, you can find me at Rob Wilson TV everywhere on social, uh, primarily Instagram, but uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, reach out to me, ask me a question. I answer all the messages. Absolutely. Well, everybody, you heard it here. This is Courtside Culture with Jamar Suber. Catch y'all next time. Remember, one small step, one great decision at a time adds to a lifetime of solid spiritual, emotional, and financial success. Catch you later here on Courtside Culture with Bishop Jamar Suber. Hey, this is Bishop Suber. If you are anywhere within 10,000 miles of Jacksonville, Florida, join us Sunday morning at the Complete Vision Church. For more information, go to thecvchurch.com. If you're anywhere on social media, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, look me up, Bishop Jamar Suber. For more information on the show, you can catch us online at courtsideshow.com.